Radical Grove Parliament Podcast. All right, all right, all right. Public radio voice. We're here at Huga. I'm Tomato Slice, and we're here for the Radical Grove Parliament Podcast. In front of me is A minor. And to the right of me is Jamie Overcash, our guest of today. Roche is out. Derek is out. Get your mouth up on that microphone. All right, first off, thanks for being here. Yeah. Where were you born? Salisbury, North Carolina. Tell me about it. It's a small city, 30 miles north of here. It's where Cheerwine's from, which is the best beverage ever. Never best heard ever. Of yes. What is it? Cheerwine? Oh, Cheerwine. Okay. Yeah, yeah come on, very, man. very, very good. About to pull your North Carolina. Well, you're not from North Carolina. No, I'm not. But <laughs> As you're drinking your LaCroix's. Hey, man. Health. <laughs> true, true. Health. Cheerwine isn't that good for you. It's not. There's a lot of sugar in it. But there. it's absolutely delicious. If you get the glass bottle, it's real sugar, though. So that's really? It's also great for sauces. Mm-hmm. It is. Makes a good barbecue sauce. You can buy the syrup separately syrup? also. I make my shit with Dr. Pepper. Ooh. <laughs> I'm already bored. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? I don't know. Roche isn't here. Derek's not here. You need some direction. It's just me, and I get all nice and deep with shit soup too much. If you hey, know me. we can go deep. All right. So Salisbury continues on to is this is this high school and everything? Ah, uh, nah. Holden Beach, uh, to Boone, to here, pretty much. So like this, like the whole state tour. Yeah, like I'm, coast to, I'm from North Carolina. Yes. From all of North Carolina. Yes. That's right. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. I've lived everywhere you can, I think. Mountains, Piedmont, coast. What do you like best? Uh, mountains, I think. Really? Yeah. It's cool. You get seasons. Seasons are nice. Seasons are nice. Snowboarding's fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, not having sweltering humidity. For like six months of the year is great. Hmm. Although Wouldn't know that, about it. <laughs> we got to take a trip. <laughs> no, I mean like the not having six months of sweltering. Oh, yeah. That's not a <laughs> humidity. I'm that's from it. Texas. Ooh, it's flipping hot. That is hot. And humid. Yeah. It sounds like a... So how did you Ooh. get into music? How did I get into music? Okay. Yeah. So Give us the origin story. Yeah. That's so what we're doing. Uh, that's what we're here for. You know that. Yeah. So... Jamie Overcash, DJJ Overcash, music curator, graphic designer, home cook, collector of small records. Forty <laughs> uh, five. Yeah, what else do I do? Uh, car guy, cat dad. Yesterday was cat day, wasn't it? It was International Cat Day. I threw Mitten up on the feed. That's my dude. All right. He found us. How, how do we come up with days now? I, somebody just makes a calendar. There's a that. day for everything. Yeah. I don't. I don't know where they come from, and I also don't know when the to internet. celebrate. So, it's it's hard to know what day is what thing until the internet tells you, and then who trusts the internet? No one. People Too just go in there and lie all the time. <laughs> oh my god! For sure. So, right. how did I get into music? That's the question. Yeah. Uh, my parents have also always been in the music. My oh, parents man. had a giant record collection when I was growing up. Oh. So, I'd sit in the front room, listen to like Motown. Super tight, like yeah. that. Super kill me. Yeah, speaking of Motown, kind of sad day to day for that. Why? What happened? Dozer passed away. Oh, who? 
HDH. I don't know who wrote like all of the bangers from like '64 to '67. Like every Temptation song. Every I mean, Supreme song. I mean, I know Motown was good and the classic, but honestly, I don't like it. Why? Because it's hmm. so like top forty mainstream and so overplayed. And there's lots of other stuff out there that isn't played that is just as good, if not better, in many ways. I mean, they were the pop. I mean, they were pop. It's pop soul for sure. It's pop soul. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just, if you know me, you don't know. You know what? I'm not going to like it. True. (laughs) You always got to go deep. Yeah. Yeah. The deepest you can go. Yeah. Why not? That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do got to give it up for something that's been s- responsible for so much after it existed. Though. Oh, I'm not. You know? I'm not going to take anything away from it. I'm not going to say it isn't good because there's a difference here. You can say that you don't like something, and it's still good. Like country music is amazing. Musically, it's amazing. Timber in it is awesome. Some of the best music coming out, but it doesn't mean I like it. There. Classical music, you can't, don't tell me classical music isn't good. A person can dislike it, still good. True. Right? True. True. Uh, that, what, what, we're talking about Motown. Motown is awesome. It's great. It did a lot of things. Still means I, I like other things better. That, that's fair. Yeah. That's the difference. I don't think people realize that something can be really good and you don't like it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, so Motown into uh, <laughs> listening to classic rock stuff into starting to skateboard and discovering hip hop into seeing New York mixtapes, buying turntables, and somehow I'm here now on this podcast. I was about to just ask that exact question. Like, like did the skate videos kind of push you to DJing? Yeah, for sure. Like, New York mixtape, watching like Rock Radio, do like the whole soundtrack for those. Yeah. That's the reason I bought turntables. Which That's is awesome. funny, because I've never seen the New York mixtapes. How have you never? Those are like iconic, like, 90s skate videos in early 2000s, I guess. Mm, and like Eastern Exposure and like all that like heavy East Coast stuff. Um, because I kind of I like not skateboarded as much anymore at that point. True. And you also were like not an East Coast skateboarder. Yes, I was. I thought you were in Texas and Colorado. I've lived in all those places, but I'm from Pennsylvania. Ah, so you were like hardcore, hardcore. Have you ever heard of uh, Matt Reason or Kevin Taylor? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kevin Taylor? Yeah. We used to skateboard with him all the time. Nice. He slept on my bedroom floor. I made him take showers. (laughs) (laughs) My dad, who was a doctor, like bandaged him up a few times. Um, Matt Reason is another pro skateboarder. He's pretty much... Uh, if you look him up, you know how like skaters in Philly, like in Love Park and everything, like went really fast. Yeah. Well, that's directly because, in my opinion, because of Matt Reason, who came from Pittsburgh, and in Pittsburgh we have hills and we skated on huge wheels and whatnot, and we skated really, really fast because of the hills. Got to get that extra push in. Yeah. So Matt Reason moved to uh, Philly, and he was one of those Love Park guys. Ah, see, I started in '97. So. Yeah. And how, how long after starting DJ? Oh, excuse me, after after skateboarding, did you start DJ? I bought my first set of turntables in two thousand five. Okay, so it took a little while, mostly for money reasons. Yeah, because yeah. 
shit costs money. Yeah, those things are expensive. <laughs> so you need jobs to to buy turntables. So I bought turntables freshman year of college. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And so then, App State. Is yes. that right? It's yes, in Boone. DJing house parties, buying tons and tons of random record lots off of eBay. Nice. Love those. Yes. Nice little crapshoot. Yeah. I mean, there were some records. There were two record stores in Boone, but neither of them really carried, like, party records, right? Yeah. Did they have, like, hard-to-find records? Because North Carolina's known for hard-to-find Yeah, records. I mean, they had some some deep cuts, but definitely in, like, the indie side of stuff and, mm. like... A lot of like Chapel Hill things and you know all all that realm of North Carolina music. The side effect of being in the mountains. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, yeah, you, a lot of bluegrass. Yeah. If I wanted I to be a bluegrass DJ, I would have had a plethora of stuff to pick from. I mean, it's not too late. I think that lane's still wide Ooh, open. Uh, is that a lane? Uh, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, everything's a lane. True. They have festivals for everything. They got bluegrass festivals. Yeah. There's Do you some... think there's a bluegrass DJ out there at those festivals? I have seen guys play bluegrass records, like vinyl, huh. in between sets at these festivals. So they do exist. Yeah. Hmm. That's cool. Just don't know if the money's there. Usually it's just some guy from a band that's like, hey, I got these records. <laughs> and I'll play these in between the sets. <laughs> you got any 45s? Of bluegrass? bluegrass? Yeah. yeah. Me neither. All my, my 45s live in like funked and soul and disco and house and hip hop land. The best shit. The, the shit I actually want to play. Man. <laughs> Rather than... uh. Casual listening 45s. Are they all like speed 45s? No, there's some 33 pressings in there. Just Mm. seven inches. There's some stuff that I found at Jerry's Records in Pittsburgh, and I let them go, that I listened to that were 45, and I bumped them down to 33, and I was like, these are dope. Do you ever really try that? I got a couple kind of housier 45s that I play at 33, just because it fits in better with like what I was playing like funk wise, right? Yeah. So I'll take it down to like what, like a hundred ish BPM from like one twenty. It, mm. it works. That's cool. Yeah, love that. Yeah, you ever been to Jerry's Records in Pittsburgh? I have not. I've never been to Pittsburgh actually. Damn, you ever heard of it? No. At one point Was they had like giant store. Yeah. At one point they had over like over a million forty fives on file. Damn. Last time I went there, I had a whole a stack of forty fives. People come from all over the place. And there was this French DJ there that was looking for stuff. And I was just like, here, you can take these. <laughs> just give me your phone number. If I ever make it to Pittsburgh. Yeah, for sure. The, the closest I've ever been is like Wisp in Maryland. I know Red's been there. Red's been to. <laughs> Here's the funny thing about Red. Let me tell you a story about Red real quick. I don't know we're on a tangent. But uh, he went to Jerry's <laughs> Records. And I was like, and he said he went down to the basement. And he said it was fucking awesome. But I was like, well, if you were in the basement, then you weren't in the record store. So I feel bad. It's like an awesome basement. Like, it's better than any record store you ever go to in the basement. But then the top floor is just room after room after room after rec- of records. Their soul and funk room is fucking huge. Mm. That's but, Is it, like, curated? Or is it just kind of like a free-for-all? Of like, hey, we put these genre here. And yeah, that's it. Genre. Go digging. The other stuff, the 45s were curated at the time. Okay. There's another record store in Pittsburgh that has like just about any record that you want, but if they only have one copy of it, they won't sell it to you. Hmm. You walk in there and you tell them what you want, and they go and find it, and then they bring it out to you. You don't get to search. You got to know what you want. That's How does that work? Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I, don't... <laughs> I have no clue. 
No idea. Bring your discogs, is like this, want to buy list. Is this like, like the hero dreams of sushi, a record store? Like, yeah, I guess like, so. I, like just send me the, the the chef's recommendation. Like, I mean, I get that a good record store guy is is great to come by that can point you towards stuff. But like, man, I, I kind of want to get in there and just nope. kind of figure some stuff out on my own. You, you got to know what you want. Yeah. You got to know what you want. And if they only have one copy of it, it ain't yours. Hmm. So it's more of a, a library where they have some yeah. stuff for sale also. Yeah. Huh. Weird. It was really yeah. weird. I don't even remember the name of it. It's hard to find, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about these early house parties. Uh-oh. What was, what, was, what was going on at these early house parties? Like, what was this? What, what, were, what was in heavy rotation? What was it looking like? Was it heavy dancing? Was it? people doing dumb college shit like what's up yeah dumb college shit love it yeah so uh i I was lucky enough to have a house for most of my time in boone and uh we we partied there nice set the turntables up in the corner pull out all your your favorite 2000s rap bangers love it your juveniles and your 50s and uh, all this, all the spring break yeah. Myrtle Beach strip specials. Exactly, got you. Because that's what you buy off of lots <laughs> in on eBay. I mean, of course. Yeah. Shout out to DJ White Shadow in Denver that I used to buy record lots from. Nice. Yeah. That I think sounds familiar. Wait, yeah, he's the Broncos DJ. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait. Oh, White Shadow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like. There's two different white shadows. This is the Broncos DJ one. Okay. Yeah. The other white shadow is Gaga's producer. Yeah. yeah. Nah, this is the, the Broncos dude. That's what I was thinking of. Used oh, to okay. just buy like lots of like 50 records off of him like pretty much every other week. Because he would just like every sell other like. Week. He would just sell like half of his collection from record pools. And I'd just be like, oh, thank you. And nice. then I discovered that I could have a computer. And then that was way better. Yeah. Yeah. What year does Serato come out? I mean, Final Scratch is like 05 or something, right? Yeah, yeah I think I think you and I both started. I started uh, on Final after Scratch. after Serato was an option. I started on Tractor in 08, I yeah, think. I'm jealous. Yeah, I'll just say I'm jealous that you started on Tractor first. I started in 08, but I didn't start on digital. I had I was doing like the the record lot thing, buying find stuff on Craigslist, but I also got those uh, new mark x2s do you remember those you remember the cdx's oh yeah so weird the, the, yeah very weird but very useful if you're learning so it was a turntable like the ttx on the top but it had a cd slot it's pretty much the rain 12 before the rain 12 like you could still control the cd with the with the record on top of the turntable because of the spindle so it's the same thing and it makes sense because Newmark is the one that ended up, and in music ended up buying Rain. So, all that makes sense to me. But it also let me get used to mixing without a screen. Still, even though I wasn't just using records and needles, I still was able to just play newer music just off CDs. But I didn't actually do Serato until like 2010. Late adopter. 2009. When did Serato come yeah. out? Like when did DJ A- when DJ AM came? Everybody in Charlotte went to Serato. I mean, I think Final Scratch was what like oh four oh five. I think first Serato was oh six. Yeah, it must have been. That, that seems range. about right. That, yeah, that's Serato was two years later because I did have the original Final Scratch. I still have it 
the around sound card, and I've got another one too. Oh, yeah, I forgot that, that I can't remember that. that. Yeah, yeah, I started on tractor, it, it worked well. And then, uh, there was a club that opened up in Boone that w- was doing video DJing, and the guy was like, Would you? What? Yeah, you did video for a while too. Yeah, that it's was a nightmare. Not, yeah, I, skipped, I skipped that era. You lucky. Yeah, for real. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was a club that opened that wanted video DJing, and I was like, I guess I'll start downloading videos. Um, and Switch to Serato and have a look back. Although Tractor looks interesting still. It does. What? But like, uh, so. Interesting. Side note. Side I don't note. do anything as far as like weird live like production stuff. Interesting is like putting it as like, that's downplaying it. There's a <laughs> lot going on. Tractor has so much going on and it's so badass. It does. Uh, so. For a little context, Scratch Live first appeared with the SL1 in 2004. Oh, wow. So Final huh. Scratch was what, like 03, 02? I, I've, I've only done one Google so far, so we're going to find Final Scratch too. So Tractor, when I play with Tractor, and I'll play on it for like 15 to 20 minutes, and this is what I tell everybody, I'll have to walk away and sit down on the couch and just chill. It's like overstimulation. It's amazing the things that i can come up with just screwing around djing on that thing it is mind-boggling it is mm. so incredible and it truly uses stems you know what stems are right like yeah. we all do yeah. yeah and you can truly take out all the all the beats all the bass line all the melody all the vocals and truly mix that way yeah so for those that two are listening that don't know the stems are the individual pieces of the song that make the song <laughs> together so you have a uh, stem for the percussion, a stem for the vocals, a stem for the bass line or each individual instrument or a stem for each vocalist. And then you can kind of combine those together. It's basically like four tracks built into one track. Yeah, yeah. So if you broke apart something that you're listening to in smaller parts and just played them all at the same time, you can just take one out, take a couple out, add one back in those are those are your stems or those individual pieces and that's just one thing in tractor yeah there's a ton dozens. of stuff in there for sure tons of like live pa stuff you can do with it too and 2003 for your final scratch ah. question so yeah, we were we uh, were both late adopters we were hmm. i, I had think, it right I think we were better off probably yeah probably better to start on vinyl yeah i think i think it helped me no, it was still vinyl final scratch was still vinyl well i mean like Minus a computer, like m- matching beat matching by ear. And oh, is that how you started? Yeah, that's stuff. how I started too. Oh, yeah. all right, cool. God, yeah. we really are grumpy old men in here, aren't we? Oh no, I don't. I don't, I don't care about grumpy. it. Like it's just, I yeah, feel I like I, I feel like I'm a better DJ for learning that first. What I mean by that is old. We're yeah, old because we yeah. started. Oh, that oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. <laughs> I'm, good, <laughs> I'm good with old. That's I didn't know I was gonna get old, so this is great. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, do you really feel like it's better that you played on vinyl first? I really do. I, I mean, really I do. think it's a good skill to have. I and mean, you can be a great DJ without having to start on vinyl, though, right? There's tons of great DJs. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Like, but there are people point. out there that truly think they're elitists and think if you're not playing on vinyl, then blah 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 blah. Well, blah, most people, terrible. for you're the most part, are still sitting at home not DJing in front of people <laughs> anymore. So. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they can be as mad as they want at me for saying this, but, like, I went through the same thing you did. I played on vinyl as well. I went through all the bumps and the dust and, like, fighting crowds and stuff. But, like, yeah. 
you know, the end product is what matters. If the crowd's having fun and you're doing well with that and you're actually doing it live, then cool. I, I don't really care what you're using as long as you're as long as you're doing what the floor needs or what the room needs. Yeah. I think it helps your hearing now that I think about it. Because you gotta listen to that turntable in one ear and match it to what's going on out there mm-hmm. and live. And so you're able to like differentiate different sounds and whatnot that maybe a lot of modern DJs aren't really doing anymore, but either hitting a sync button or lining up two lines. I mean, I think they're basically only listening to the music probably at the start of the queue. Do you think they're really sitting there in their headphones, like matching the sound of that beat to the sound of what's coming out of the speaker? Not necessarily. Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak for other people, right? Not, no, I, I definitely mean, can't speak this for other people. What do you think? Train, I mean, playing on vinyl trains your ears, for sure. Yeah, okay. Because you are having to, like, sit there and ride the pitch or true, tweak the nipple. The spindle, touch, for touch, those who don't know. Touch the platter. <laughs> you guys know about the 3345? Oh, yeah. Just little bump ups yeah. With, yeah. The, with the 45 button? I yeah, learned that from Bob Schaefer. Dude. I'd never even thought of it. I, yeah, I had somebody showed it to I'll me move. as well. Yeah. I don't know if it was like I saw it on a video or somebody actually sat there and showed it to me, but I did not pick up on that one on my own. Neither did I. But the, the, only, th- the only reason I'd say that – well, not the only reason, because, yes, your ear is much more – in tune after playing vinyl before you start playing other stuff. But the one thing I'll say is learning new equipment is so much easier for me than somebody that started on a controller. You know what I'm saying? Because if if you started on a controller and you just know that one thing, you have to have things that exact way every single time. If you were playing on records, you had to deal with all kind of shit that's true. The booth being different, one of the turntables being off, the mixer being a little fucked up. There's a knob that doesn't work. There's oh, a fader God. that bleeds. There's all kind of shit that goes sideways that you just kind of have to figure out on the fly. And I feel like that makes you more adaptable to new equipment when it comes out if you let yourself actually get on it and stop being grumpy about people using computers. <laughs> yeah, you can adapt, I feel like, quicker. That's true. I like seeing pictures of people putting controllers on top of CDJs when the controller mimics what a CDJ setup is. Dude, that that just <laughs> that just makes me sad. I'm just like that doesn't make any sense, guys. I used to listen, I used to watch people bitch about controllers while they were playing on CDJs. Oh, controllers! I'll never play on one of those. But you got a fucking set of CDJs right in front of you. Like it is a What's controller. the difference? It's HID a mode. It's controller all day. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's also funny to watch these DJs. that will be like, I'll never use this controller years ago, and now I'm seeing them use controllers. I don't, I mean, there's nothing wrong with portability. No, there's nothing wrong with it. I just no. laugh at the, the the funny thing about it. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily like them. There's a couple that I that I would prefer to use if I had to use one, but I just you know it's just not for me. I but I'm not gonna walk into a room and not do my job because there's a controller there. You know, yeah. Whatever you got, I'm gonna use and I'm going to stretch its limits. So back to Jamie Overcast. Anyway, hey, Do guys. That. Hey. You're here. Back to, back to DJ talk with Jamie and Andre. <laughs> <laughs> and Forrest being angry about it. <sighs> All right. Craziest house party moment that won't get you arrested. Uh, we're playing a house party at my friend's house, and uh, I can't even, I think it was like a Jeezy track. It's almost playing. Uh, he, my friend ran through the wall in the garage 
What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> he just decided, I'm going to run through this wall. I mean, I don't think the Jeezy song had anything to do with it, but I he, mean, it he was a, yeah, he was a, a little bit of a partier. And uh, I think someone bet him that he couldn't make it through the studs. Oof. He did the first time. The fir- that there was more than once? Yeah. <laughs> How do you know if you're going to run into a stud or not? Well, studs are on 18-inch centers. Yeah, but. So you have a gap. Yeah, but did who you, fits did through an eighteen-inch gap at full speed? Did you see speed? where the the stud was? <laughs> yeah, I think right somebody had punched a hole in the wall previously. There, this was like a rowdy snowboarder house. So yeah, uh, was it a rental? I yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, that, that would not have gone down to my house. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he he made it through the first time, and then the second time that stud caught him because he was a little off center on that eighteen. I was about to say, like, 18 is a pretty narrow. narrow He's not a small guy yeah. either. Yeah, 18 sounds like a foot. So that was probably the like wildest thing. You have thing to go to sideways happen. through that, right? Yeah. Oof. I would. Oh, man. So he went head on to this stud the second time around, huh? Yeah, pretty much. Oof. Yeah. And that uh, was the craziest thing that happened. I mean, that's the craziest thing I witnessed. <laughs> I mean, is there anything crazier than someone going through two pins of sheetrock? I mean, that's at full speed. Yeah, there's. I mean, we could be, talk about like the other crazy stuff, but I can't be. incriminate myself on a podcast. So, <laughs> Not, look, I, I prefaced it Allegedly. with whatever won't get you yeah. arrested. Sorry, I sorry. Uh, we played a me and uh, Matt Hollingsworth, who we had like a little DJ duo called Tons of Guns with. Hey, I remember that. Yeah, we we were playing like Blog House and like Electro and all that Blog era party jams. We uh, played a frat party. And I really was sure the floor was going to collapse. Mm. Luckily, it didn't. It was moving like a good six inches. Like the turntables were bouncing. So okay. that was crazy and frightening. Yeah, those are those are wild times when you're not sure if the floor, the the structural integrity is going to hold this up. It's like an old mountain cabin too. So you're oh, like, yeah. it's either really really thick beams or nothing. Or nothing. Well, I mean, like you know. <laughs> I don't know what the building codes were in Boone in like 1950 when this cabin was built, right? Yeah. Yikes. So it's either like hand honed uh, or 1850 timber. No, nah, it's not that old. <laughs> or like just a bunch of floor joists that are giving a lot at that point. Yeah, that sounds that sounds iffy at best. Yeah, it was scary. <laughs> I made it out alive though, so that's all that matters. Tight. How that uh how how the transition from house party to uh, DJing in public for people's money go? Uh, I kind of forced my way into it. I guess there was a bar called Flipside in Boone that I was a regular at. I had like homies that worked there, but the owner was from Chicago and he DJed. Okay. Ah, uh, God, what is his name? I can't remember his name at this point. But he would always DJ, and I'm like, yo, hey, I've, I've been DJing. Like, let me come do a night. And he's like, I don't know, man. You're just doing these house parties. It's not real. So finally, <laughs> after badgering him for like a good six months, he let me and Matt do a Wednesday, and we packed that place out. Tight. Like, like slammed. And this was in the middle of summer, too, and there's no one in Boone in summer. So we went through the phone, the, the friend network, packed that place out, and then he was like, all right, you guys seem to know what you're doing. So he let us do it again. Mm-hmm. And then we kept doing every Wednesday for, my God, I did Wednesdays for years up there. Nice. Um, and then other places in Boone wanted me to come DJ there. 
I mean, that's and how it starts, man. I played it. All the other cool spots up there. Yeah, man. Let the let the dominoes fall. Yeah. The clubs of Boone. I'm making air quotes because there's not any real clubs in Boone. But the places that allow DJs to mm-hmm. exist in Boone, you know, banging yeah. out all those spots. Yeah. Pe- and my, my residencies, I guess. Nice. How did you end up in Charlotte? Uh, so the internet, I guess. The internet. Yeah, I was... Uh, oh, that's right. There was a big porn company here at the time, wasn't yes. there? Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, I ended up what being... What was that? Fr- oh, there really was. So uh, I somehow ended up being <laughs> friends with, like, Cody Hare through internet stuff. And uh, Jason Maddox, like, Lord Walrus, famous Jason out in Wilmington. We started that whole... I haven't heard that name in a long time. Yeah. I? Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's some dope DJs out there with these names that I forget about and Maddox was one of them yeah uh yeah, and a huff through that too so huff um got me lined up with a spot when he was doing butter uh vbgb over in the music factory oh nice he was like hey vbgb needs a dj would you want to come down here and do that um i think it was halloween that i played or something mm-hmm. drove you- down Played that. Tom, the owner over there, was like, this is awesome. What did you play? He's a nice guy. I mean, Shout I played, like, super open format stuff. Like, a real mix of, like, rock stuff, dance stuff, hip-hop. Kind of all over the place, right? Because that, that bar was, like, it's a cool bar. It's not not a club. You can kind of get away with doing whatever. Is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. All right. Going strong. Yeah, um, it's, it's the go-to uh, right before a concert. Yep spot over at charlotte metro you still have djs occasionally mm. um but yeah tom thomas talked on what i did and he was like hey would you want to come down and play saturday and i was like sure and then he was like you want to come down the next saturday sure and then i ended up driving from boone to vbgb from like 2010 to or yeah 2010 to we moved down here in 2012 like every saturday mm. oh, wow. kept kept 321 hot yeah that's cool. Yeah, so did that, and then I was like... Were you playing vinyl, or oh, you were on Serato? I was on Serato time, at yeah. that point. Were you playing on a controller? No, nah, turntables. Oh, all right, nice. Turntables on a 57. Ah, oh, the 57. Yeah. Such a tank of a mixer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, looking back on it, the functionality was not great, but it was so good. I don't, I don't know how to explain that. Like, going backwards, you can see where the progression has come from. But the 57 at its time was just so great. It was just, it just, there were so many things that you had to do extra to do little stuff. Like to actually activate your. Got echoes. Yeah, like to actually use any of the effects and everything. I didn't use the effects, but the effects, from what I understand, were awesome. They sounded great. It's just you had to like press down on this button that's flush with the board and hope that you hit it in time. (laughs) You know what I mean? The button is like. Six millimeters wide. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only use the joysticks. I only use the joysticks. That's what I did. Too. Which I mean, they work great. I just didn't. At when I first started with it, I didn't know how to program it to mm. do anything other than just cut the sound. So it was just a transform switch. Still, you know? which is great, but you know, I, have my, I, I still have my fifty-seven. By the way, my right joystick <laughs> was set to loops, and that's how I would just do like cheater echoes out. I have the faceplate of mine. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've got a whole wall of faceplates for DJ mixers and stuff. Hmm. I sold mine to Luke at Premium Sound, and that was like the installed mixer there for a while until they just closed. Man, shout out to Premium Sound pulling out. I think Luke's got some stuff going on. I mean, 
He, there's some things in the works. He's got some. Okay. Uh, he's, he provides sound for burial. He provides records of burial beer. Yeah, he's got some other little pop-up things about to happen, and uh, that's cool. Looks a good guy. That's really cool. Premium Sound is a record store. What was it in? What's another Tip place? Tip Top, and it recently yeah. closed. Sadly, it'll be back. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, that that sounds good. I I found a lot of uh, really nice, useful, and uh, enjoyable records in that store. So, shout out to them and whatever they do next. So you're bringing your '57 down here. VBGB's playing on vinyl. Then what? I'm not playing on vinyl. I'm, well, I mean, playing control on control vinyl. Control vinyl, still a vinyl. So yeah, I got tired of driving down here every. Uh, so you moved every weekend. Yeah, so I moved down here in September of 2012. <laughs> right. We had a little crew called Permanent Vacation that we were throwing parties and Great doing name. fun stuff. Great name, by the way. With rapper yep. Shane and Lord Walrus and Ahuff and all those homies. So yeah, I did the opposite for a little while. Moved down here in September of 2012, and then drove to Boone every Friday to DJ at a club up there. <laughs> nope, that's exactly what I did when I moved here too. <laughs> yeah, seems like everybody moves here from other parts of North Carolina for some reason for DJing, especially. Yeah, and, and then so have places that they have to play in their old places for a little while. Yeah, I mean, you don't move down here with a full. Most people don't move down here with a full schedule in this city. You know what I mean? So if yeah. DJing is your full-time and that's your bread and butter, yeah, you want to move and start making inroads somewhere else, but you still got to pay bills in the meantime. So burn up the road we shall. Did yeah. you have a day job down here at that time? Uh, not in Charlotte yet. Uh, actually, I was still working at a snowboard shop in Boone when we moved too. So uh, I started working at Black Sheep in – Charlotte. In Charlotte, and I think my first day was like Black Friday in 2012. That was your first day? I mean, I had worked <laughs> retail like oh, I mean, yeah, tons. I worked in two shops in Boone before, so that's kind of why I got the job at Black Sheep because Josh knew, uh, I already knew what I was doing. So, What's like the hardest thing about working at a skateboard shop? The people <laughs> <laughs> that come in. So I should never go there to annoy you. No, nah, you can come annoy. It's fine. Just do it at appropriate times. Well, obviously. I, mean, yeah. I don't work there anymore. What the fuck is an appropriate time to come into a skateboard shop? People just come in and never. Like, lurk, and then like it's busy, and they're like trying to chat you up. All right. Yeah. Sneakerheads might be the worst customer, too. Really? Yeah. Are there some big sneakers in skateboard shops? Yeah, all the SBs, like yeah. all the Nikes. SB, SBs have uh, resurged uh, a couple times. Yeah, a few times at this point. This current pop is pretty big. But, yeah, people just come in and they're like, yo, let me get these. And you're like, no, because we don't have them. Didn't Strange Love make a Nike SB or something? They did. Like They've that? done yeah. two at mm-hmm. this point. Damn. Yeah. Well, one specifically, Strange Love. But Sean Clover's done like at least four now wow i didn't I know think. that yeah yeah sbs have become uh for sure yeah they're thing. highly collectible again and my collection is worth a lot more than it was it it it, it fluctuates like because i've got a bunch that will be worth a certain amount one day and then sbs get popping and people start buying them all over the internet and you know internet cloud happens and all of a sudden that 
one pair of shoes that might have been worth five or six hundred dollars, which is still good, can pop up to like almost two grand. Damn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are, it just are, are these shoes you worn, or are they just brand new, still in the box type? Um, mix of both. Uh, I, I mean, I know he's he's had his hands on quite a few. I don't have a very big collection at this point because I sold a lot of them to make a down payment on the house. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But I mean, that kind of puts it in perspective yeah, a little bit too. Like you sold some pairs of shoes and yeah. put a down payment on a house. Yeah, I sold so. like probably like 15 pairs or so in like 2020, 2019, 2020 to like get the down payment for our place. Damn. Yeah. I mean, I, I've skated some very expensive dunks though previously. Like I skated a pair yeah. of Heineken's when they came out. Mm. Heineken's. Yeah, that was a bad decision because they got a <laughs> cease and desist, and those things are worth like four grand now. It's crazy. I, that's that's kind of what I deal with when I'm looking at the. I have my paid in fulls still. Um, yeah. That black sheep did. They got a nice little cease and desist from Gucci, um, like through through Nike, through the SBs that uh, Black Sheep actually created. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, I they thought had, skateboards were bad. They had to stop selling them. Nah, shoes are way worse than but, decks. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And then I had to, uh, I had to make decisions. I was like, man, I really want to wear these. But but that's what happened. Could buy me a new computer. That's true. <laughs> like, but that's what happened during the pandemic. I remember sneakerheads or whatever were jumping on the Strange Love website because if you know me, you know I like Strange Love. Yeah. Mm. And Sean Claver, um, I would get on there to buy a deck. And all the decks would be sold out in like 10 seconds. And then they'd be all over like sportsmemorabilia.com or some shit like that. Yeah. yeah collectible game got crazy when the pandemic happened. Yeah. I, hey, look, collectibles <laughs> yeah. got me through the pandemic. I was, I, I let go of uh, a few pairs of shoes to then um, just to, you know, help eat and pay bills and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Collectibles helped me through the pandemic too. Man. Like crazy. I just spent too much money on smaller records. I think a lot of I think it's kind of dying down now too because a lot of people had money during the pandemic, and then suddenly they're just like, "Well, we got to go back to work and get money again." I I don't know. That sneaker game is still wild right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a little crazy. Like they've had to change even like really basic stuff where you're like, "I just want to get these to wear them." That dude, impossible. It's right. it's it kind of sucks because there's yeah. definitely ones that I wanted just just to wear just to have but I'm like I'm not going like into my pocket for triple retail no not at all it's not for like some Jordan one lows that I'm just like beat the hell out of this summer yeah why am I, mean, I gonna do that it that's dumb yeah I don't I don't I don't if I get it for box price I'll I'll happily take it but yeah. I'm not paying resale also for, got really like spoiled by working at shops for so long that like oh, i'm, I'm sure. like retail what is that yeah it doesn't make any sense <laughs> these don't cost that much all right i'm about to go off on a tangent on a oh. tangent oh god okay. all right here we go hard left you know the stereotype is no not a hard left just straight poly anyway um the tan <laughs> the, the stereotype is <coughs> that women are into shoes and shit like like all oh, women in their shoes and shit but you guys mm-hmm. when we come in here and do these this or that's i think to myself they go Nike or Adidas. I'm like, what the fuck? Why do, who cares? <laughs> and then you guys, and I'm not sure if it's just men that like collect these shoes and shit like that. Y'all put 
some women and their collectible shoes to shame. Because you're, you're out there with a toothbrush and you're me. worried you got a piece of dirt on your white shoes. Come on. Yeah, my better half doesn't care about shoes at all. And I'm like, look at all these. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just funny that that's the stereotype. I kind of gave I kind of gave my fiance the bug a little bit when it comes to sneakers because like she wasn't really she didn't care and then I got her a few nice pairs and she was like oh I think I get it now so I kind of created a little mini monster on top of my own habit I, w- I, w- I stopped I was on a site recently that had some really like oh wait it's that new store at the mall there's a new store at South Park Mall for like luxury tennis shoes or whatever, high-end tennis oh, shoes. Oh, it's like a reseller store that just opened there, Yeah, right? it's a reseller store, uh, but I was looking at the shoes that they had there, like Nikes and shit, and I was like, man, these these actually do really look nice. I would want a pair of those. They're like $200 shoes or like $250 shoes, and I think they had like $4,000 pair of like yeah, shoes. Yeah, yeah, that makes about sense. That yeah. just lets that's, the, that's the market deciding. I'm not yep. looking to see it, but what I'm saying is that stereotype of women doesn't hold water to men and their collectible shoes and a toothbrush and get a little piece of dirt or somebody steps on your shoes out in the wild y'all go <laughs> fucking crazy oh no i'm not i'm not like that if I, if if i'm wearing them out <coughs> i'm expecting some collateral damage okay yeah. what is that movie what's that movie uh do the right thing oh wow yeah oh yeah that guy goes nuts when somebody like scuffs of his shoes she does. like what the fuck that's gus yeah i mean sneaker <laughs> culture and and uh hip-hop are pretty tightly intertwined absolutely uh, all the way back to well i mean yeah back before i'm what i'm even going to mention but i mean the first major endorsement by a sneaker company outside of an athlete was run dmc and adidas oh yeah true so i mean hip-hop and, sh- and sneakers and like just that kind of fashion just have gone hand in hand for god knows how long that and like I think just as DJs, we just are natural collectors of things. Oh, I know I am. Yeah. But it's all music-related and media-related, like records, cassette tapes, VHS. Yeah, I mean, when I stopped like going after collecting records because I didn't have as much space, I feel like I started getting more sneakers. Like, something else had to take its place. Yeah. Kind of the same boat there, too. Yeah. I mean, I stopped buying 12-inch records, and I started buying tons of sneakers. And then I was like, I have room for records, so I started buying small records. (laughs) That's cool. I can fit thousands of tiny records in the same place I can fit hundreds of large records. So what's the the hardest part about working at a skate shop? The hardest part? Besides the customers, yeah. I mean, the real thing is just, like, being on your feet for so long Uh and, like... Having to run around like a busy day is crazy there, right? You're running back and forth. Even like, you know, putting boards together. That's grip, what I would gripping think. Gripping decks and stuff. Like, gripping decks. Gripping yeah. decks. You grip like God. 30 boards in a day, your hands are like all torn up. It's like, oh, oh, yeah. I remember my thumbs from skating. My thumbs would have like no skin yeah, left. It would thumb, hurt. Man. That's a thing from throwing down. Yeah. Uh, Shout out Matt Shavley. He used to cut, he worked at Black Sheep too. He used to cut a thumb impression in the nose of his board where he would put his hand when he would throw down. So he would never get grip thumb. That's genius. That's genius. Genius. But also, like, that takes a lot of effort. I'm just like, quick grip. Call it a day. I'm not, I'm not going to make a thumb stencil for the top of my board anytime soon. Dude, I mean, it was that's, like, that's pretty. It's smart. That's pretty sure. great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I gripped a board like last year or two years ago. 
I did such a shit job because it had been like 25, 30 years since I really gripped it. Yeah, down. you got to stay in practice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> a uh, sharp blade is important, too. If anybody's never skated before, yeah, you want to tell them about gripping the board because most people, if they've never skated, have no idea. Yeah, it's a to grip a board, right? It's uh, You take basically a sheet of sandpaper with glue on the back of it and adhere it to the deck on the top. And then you have to like scrape around the edges so you know where to cut. And you take a razor blade and cut along underneath and then sand down the edges so it doesn't peel up on you because that'll happen. Yeah. But you do a lot of those work in retail and your fingers and hands get all torn up. From the sandpaper. Yeah. And now there's like different, like back when I did it, there wasn't different grades of like the, the grip tape. Now some of them are super grippy. Yeah, there's tons of different brands. Oh. Nightmare. Being an old person, I just skate Jessup. Is that it? Is that the Jessup's like the OG. That's okay. like the Thank the you. one that's been around for forever. So everybody, everybody out there, Jessup is the OG. That's yes. the one I'm going to lean to now because I got some grip at home that's so sticky. And so like when you're trying to or something, I I guess I have no idea. But when I do a flip trick, it like flips too far out. It just doesn't want to go do what I would think it would do. So I I take Jessup and then you take the, like the extra pieces that are left over and I just sand down the top so it's even like less grippy when I start out with a fresh board. Hmm. All right. So yeah. little weird uh, rituals, I guess. Putting together new decks. Wheels got a face inside. Graphics. Sand down the top. All right, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Oh, God. <laughs> you, know it was gonna, you knew this was going to turn into skateboard talk. <clears throat> yeah, I actually no, said it no. outside before yeah. you got here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah 100%. 100%. And I, when I found out that Roche and Derek weren't going to be here, I was talking to A minor, and I'm like, what are we going to do? What do you want to do? <laughs> Should we do this focus on a person thing? Should we talk about music? Should we talk about, like... DJing, because, you know, we you usually gotta, stick gotta to a, a formula. Bit, you know? we, we usually stick to a formula. Do you? Because I've listened to a lot of episodes. <laughs> oh, to me, we stick to a formula. Okay. <laughs> kind of. Fair. All right, I'm not going to go. It's nice that skateboarding has become, I, I mean, it, I don't want to say it's trendy, but it's nice that there's, like, cruiser boards out there, and those are popular, and even the penny boards are popular, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of people out skating. It's cool that it's, like, I don't know if it's cool that it's an Olympic sport, but at least it's like a recognized thing now. Yeah. And then places want to spend money other than Charlotte to build skate parks and yeah. And like places for kids to go do stuff cuz I mean, yeah. when I was growing up, what the only real park around here was like Blue Ramp, right? In yeah. Charlotte, I was Oh, skated. that's right. Is it still there? Nah, that's been gone I forever. I didn't think so. I remember driving past it. It was over there in like near um, so, I mean, Ranger. I would skate that when I was like in middle school. And then when we moved to the beach, there was a park in Myrtle Beach. And then Wilmington had just opened up Greenfield at that point. But mm. like parks were few and far between. And now there's like... There's one park at the end of my street. Yeah, there's tons of parks everywhere now. Well, I mean in Charlotte. Except for Charlotte. There's one park at the end of my street in Charlotte. But if it gets wet... You don't want to step on it. Yeah. Mm. So it's cool. Yeah. It's cool that people are giving places to skate, and it's it's fun, right? Yeah, it's cool. Good kids out there. But the tangent was, I remember back in high school, I w- I, first of all, I went to a high school that was huge on sports. Like, the person that graduated just ahead of me was Kurt Angle. I'm not sure if you guys know who he is. Yes. I mean, I know who he is. Yeah. And so, I think we talked about this the other day. A yeah. minor and I did. Yeah. Sports were huge. Skateboarding was not cool. I mean, we were called, I hate to say it, we were called skate fags and shit like that. 
And I think I told you too, like, maybe I didn't, but like with one of my friends, they really tormented us for being skaters in high school. It sucked so bad, which mm-hmm. is another reason why I'm like, I hate you. I hate everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, these people like hit us up now that like made fun of us on Facebook and shit like that. They're like, oh, my, my kid skateboards and all this stuff like that. And it's really super cool. I thought I'd get in touch with you. And one of my friends is just like, ignore. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's still bitter about it. I'm I mean, just like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I, luckily in high school, like that, that wasn't a problem with, at the beach. Everyone surfed. So like skating was like a natural extension of that. Yeah. Oh. Everyone was like, it was, it was cool, I guess. You do your time skate. in the water? That is cool. Uh, I surfed or tried to for a little bit. Um, never really enjoyed it. And I broke my nose surfing. So, right, uh, I just kind of gave Board up. come up on you? Yeah, what? I got like pitched and got whacked in the face with the board. Oof. Came out of the water with bloody nose. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. I, li- I, I, like, I like skating. I like board sports. I like being in motion. I am just freaked out by open ocean. I've <laughs> like it's just I can swim, and I have no problem being in the water. It is, but like surfing is a huge like. One day I might get over it and try it one time, but it freaks me out so bad. Well, what's there? To I be love afraid watching of? it. Like, um, what's there to be afraid of? Clearly afraid of sharks. Uh, yeah, or as, soon, as soon as you get riptides aren't bad on a surfboard because you're on top, really. Yeah, but, but what if you're not on the board and you get knocked off the board? Well, then you're screwed. Yeah, all that sucks. Every last bit of that sucks. But also, as soon as you get past a certain point of depth, you are no longer the top of the food chain anymore. Like, <laughs> you'll be all right. I mean, I had something generally speaking, uh, but it doesn't take away this irrational fear that I have. Well, I'm not even going to say irrational. It is totally rational to short shark attacks are rare. I understand that, but off the coast of North Carolina and South Carolina, one year they were not that rare. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so um, one year, I one of the last well, times, just one of note, pretty recently. When I was at the beach once, something bit me, and I was like, "Fuck this!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm done. I don't know. The other problem I always had with surfing was like all my friends would get up at like stupid early. I'm not a morning person by any means. Um, get up stupid early and go out and be like, oh, there's no waves today. Why did I get up this early? I'm like, when I go skate, I don't have to like wait for like a ledge spot to show up or a set of stairs. I just go to it. It exists. I don't have to sit there and like wait for, oh no, the ledges are going to show up on Friday. It's like, I want to surf now. Oh, I guess I got to skate. I can skate now. Yeah, pretty much. So not being a morning person definitely contributed to me not surfing as much. Do you have a favorite type of thing that you like to skate on? Uh, I mean, I skated like street stuff for the most part, ledges, rails, yeah. Oh, yeah. jumping down some stuff. Do you have a favorite skater? Hmm, probably Heath or Andrew mm. Reynolds. All right. Reynolds or Kerchard for sure. Mm. Mine growing up was Tony Hawk. I mean, that's fair. Because when I watched him on ramps, I would see how technical he was, yeah. and I was like, "Holy shit! I want to do what he's doing on the streets." Totally and, ripped. And I didn't really know that he was just mocking, not mocking, but mimicking Rodney Mullen at the time. If I'd known that, I would have gotten way more into Rodney Mullen. Yeah. When I saw what he did, I was like, I don't get what he's, I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm not skating on the side of my skateboard. Weird freestyle skating. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of got into it on my own on the side, kind of like I did everything else in my life. So <laughs> like, you know, like the games and everything that came out were a, a 
big influence. Like I was getting the CSS catalogs and looking through that and like hoping somebody, one of my parents is going to let me order a board one day. Like, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, I don't know. It was, was it uh, Tony Hawk and Burnquist? Damn. Like, I just, it, I just liked the spectacle. It's like, I'm never going to be able to do the shit that they're doing. Because I just don't, I just don't dedicate, I just didn't dedicate enough time to it. I was more of a cruiser. I was kicking around. I had an ollie on me every now and then, but yeah. I was mm-hmm. not, I was not ripping shit at all. Yeah, you got to put in the hours for sure. Yeah. And, the, uh, and I got threatened by a lot of coaches whenever yeah. they saw me on skateboards. <laughs> so yeah. You get hurt doing this, I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. You can definitely get hurt. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, well aware of that. I'm well aware of it, too. I spent two weeks in the hospital because of it. Yeesh. I also broke my, my, my tailbone on a skateboard. I'm at like handrail. Four pretty bad breaks, what? I guess, at this point. Well, <coughs> three from skateboarding, one from snowboarding. Mm. And then an ACL tear, too, from skateboarding. My kid won't let me skateboard. Kind of. She gets on it. She's like, do you want to die? <laughs> and I was like, son of a bitch. You're like, I got this. I did this before. It's fine. It's like riding a bike that'll pitch you to the ground really quick. <laughs> so you're DJing at VBGBs. Oh, we're, we're circling back to DJ talk now I instead guess. of skate talk, eh? Yeah. We could do skate and snowboard talk. I mean, that's a huge part of my life, right? Oh, like That's man. like, how long at this point? That's uh, 27 years of my life. I've only been DJing for 17. What's so. the big... Oh, really? Yeah. But 17 I mean, is a long time to yeah. be DJing, too. For yeah. sure. But I mean, I'm sure also like... Just Holy shit. I mean, we've talked about it this whole time, like like skating and snowboarding and all that stuff. Probably just contributed a lot to you actually DJing. Oh, like, I mean, music is a huge part of all those sports, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Like they're all intertwined. Like yeah. even thinking like like skate videos and snow videos, like the soundtrack oh, is like one of the most important things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see people like I see like big famous DJs, and I don't I don't remember what their names are. Maybe Stone Rock or one of the captains of the industry. Mm-hmm. They'll post a song, and I'm like, oh, you remember this song from this skate video and shit like that? Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's probably where I learned it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge part of it. Especially, like, now I feel like it's not as big of a part just because everything's, like, so just, like, thrown on the internet. But, like, when you had to go buy, like, a skate video on VHS, like, the music was, like, a huge part. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know when, like, you... Especially the Santa Cruz ones. When you got out of skateboarding, but like think about like all the alien workshop stuff with like Mr. Dibbs and like Oh, I saw that on vinyl. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Joke. like all that where like serious though. Brands were tied to certain sounds and certain artists, right? Mm. Like, that Mr. Dibbs alien workshop, which I do have on vinyl, yeah. Blew me away. Yeah. I mean all mm. the all those workshop videos, the soundtracks were like key to that, right? Now I've got to go watch them because I didn't know any of them. Yeah. Man. That's like awesome. Minigmati, that soundtrack is like iconic, right? I guess. That's like all like it's it's all just world instrumental stuff. And it's if dope. you say so. <laughs> no, I don't yeah. know. I'm sure it is. That was that was like always the board like those are always the boards that I wanted. I love the alien workshop boards. The Rob Deer decks? I skated a ton of alien and habitat back in the day. I skated sure. see I skated mostly H Street by the time it was done. Or, yeah. That, we're, we're, so when did you stop skating? Like 94, 3? Probably 97 oh, okay. or so. So, yeah, you're in that early little stage of, like, your aliens and Birdhouse would have been out at that point. Oh, yeah. 
Popsicle decks are just kind of... Toy machine would have been huge at that point. Foundation would have still been big. Girl Chocolate would have, like, just started, I think. I think the last deck I have is a Zero, and it's like... Zero would have been around then, too. I think it's a Zero. It's on my wall right now. I can't remember, and it's, like, Stained Glass of Jesus. You probably know it more than I do. Hmm. It sounds familiar. Who was the owner of Zero? It's Jamie Thomas. Yeah, I have a Thomas deck, but I'm not sure if it's a Zero Thomas deck, but it's Thomas on my wall. Oh, Jesus, the whole religious series. Yeah, Jamie Thomas is super religious, so <coughs> not okay. surprised by that. <coughs> <coughs> well, nice. yeah, my anyway, my my decks were all H Street because the concave was just amazing. And yeah. I flipped those big-ass fucking boards. True. If you didn't have concave on a big-ass board, you weren't flipping it. I mean, that's why I skated Alien and Habitat stuff, because you, you, you get, like, you find the shape you like and, like, Start skating things that you enjoy. Dude. Versus like uh, just grabbing whatever off the shelf. Right? I mean, I know a lot There's of these... people now that are like wheelbase nerds that are like, I need an 8.5, but the wheelbase needs to be 14.125. It's weird. That's crazy. It's weird. People have gotten like really like neurotic about board shape. But like, that's awesome. Though. I mean, they, at least I never they know. Got out, I never got to that point. Yeah. There's no... I was never that advanced. Yeah. But at least there's, they're consistent, though, with their tricks, probably. Because yeah, of I'm it. sure that helps great. Yeah. Because with my problem was I would get a deck and then I get another deck for whatever reason. It would be a totally different shape. And the tricks that I could do would be totally different. Like I got a deck. I think it was a hate like those. Hate crime or skating is not a crime deck. Like a Santa Cruz? A mm. SMA or something? like. No, I never skated Santa Cruz. But I could do 360 that. ollies on that one, like just 360s. And then the next deck, and then another deck I would get would, was like, I could do ma- huge ollie grabs. And another one I could do uh, like tray flips on it and whatnot. I could do one deck I had, I could do 540 flips or whatever those are called. Yeah. And off a of curb, I could do 720. I get another deck, couldn't do it anymore. So yeah, I just get pissed off and not, change, really, right? and not really think to myself, oh, it must be the shape of the deck. I mean, it's 100% what it was, right? Yeah. So, I mean, people hate on these, these new guys hate on the popsicle decks, but there's a reason they're that shaped that way. They work. Oh, for sure. Which yeah. always tripped me out, too, because back then I would get on a little kid's keyboard and I could 360 flip it like every time. Yeah, like, it was just nothing. like a toothpick at that yeah. point. <laughs> and I would just be amazed. Yeah, smallest board possible. Did you, what, do you have a favorite board? Not really. I mean, I skate A25s now. I mean, back in the day, I was skating really narrow boards because that's what everybody else skated. Mm. But I don't know. Like, uh, actually, like the, all the black sheet blanks are really good. That's kind of mm. what I've been running through. Do you have a favorite trick that you like to do? I always do crooked grinds on everything, I guess. That's just kind of like the go-to. That's like the, the first trick kind of warm-up. Really? On a ledge or anything? Yeah, crooked grinds, front lips, 5-0s. No, what's a crooked grind? It's like... Like opposite of a smith? No, nah, a crooked grind is like on the nose. Like you push like the nose and like a nose slide and the, you pinch the truck. Oh, yeah. It. It's, it's like, like a vertical. Backside. Yeah, you're like vertical. I could see that. That was a fun trick. I you you can do it really fast too, yeah. which is fun. And you're just all sliding on the nose. Uh, on no, the nose and the truck. truck. Yeah. And the truck, yeah. It's nose and truck. So you got to get those Z-rollers. <laughs> nah, that's when you just go faster. You're talking about skating faster. Like you just got to <laughs> no, push no. more. I'm just kidding. For people that don't know what a Z-roller is, there's a type of truck back in the day that had like a wheel where the metal would be. And when you grinded, this wheel would just like spin. Like 
It was so weird. You got to look it up. Zero or yeah, never got anything advanced at all. It it came as a package or I didn't get it. So I mean, you can't get hurt. So I, not get I, hurt skateboarding. You can get hurt wrestling. Yeah, that's, I wasn't allowed to get yeah. hurt skateboarding. I got I got definitely threatened by every coach that ever saw me near a skateboard. Was it was it like that uh, that scene from a uh, oh god what's that movie where they're at the end of the football field and they're getting oh god what's that movie where it's all it's from the seventies these dudes are all like smoking weed and shit like that oh, fuck it I can't even tell <laughs> in the end of it it's like these guys are getting bitched at for not signing their like waiver like I'll promise not to get drunk and high at the end of the year okay. and you oh, better get not. your act together <laughs> get your shit together and sign your form. Quit, I know, I know, quit, I know. Quit hanging out I with I those, know which movie this yeah. is. Quit hanging out with those idiots over there. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Vaguely familiar, but I can't tell you the title. Yeah, I can see it, but I, it's not coming to me. Right. I just can't believe. That's another reason why like, I quit team sports was because getting bitched at by coaches and being like, you're not making me want to play this sport because you're yelling at me for telling me what I can and can't do. Yeah, I was kind of in the same boat. I played basketball for a long time, and then yeah, I was, I was like, I was actually about to ask about that as well. How are you? Uh yeah. I mean, I just play. I just shot around on the in the courts. Yeah. Going to a bunch of basketball camps, having fun. But yeah, I just got kind of tired of like having to do team activities, and I saw some friends or saw some kids skateboard, and I was like, that looks fun. So, I mean, you know, individual sports now. Yeah. Lifestyle changes. Like, it yeah. Seems like, yeah. It seems like a lot of the world is about individual sports, yeah. especially for kids. Yeah. Basketball was fun when I was like the tall kid. And then everybody else called up. And then I wasn't the tall <laughs> kid anymore. So that also kind of took some of the fun out of basketball. Yeah. I, I never experienced that. I was never the tall kid. Yeah. I was the short kid for a long time. And then I was just not the short kid anymore. I never got to be the tall kid. The short yeah. kid makes you a good wrestler, though. Low center and of gravity. It also makes you very angry. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, teenagers are the worst people on the planet. So if you're short, that's just another thing somebody's going to come after. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. How know, tall are you? Now I'm like six feet tall. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. No, I'm not short. Like, no, I don't no, think this you're is, short. No, no, no. But I'm talking about like growing up as the short kid. Oh, All right. You know, that'll kind of instill a little bit of aggression in you because you kind of late growth gotta be, for Andre evidently. Yeah, two of them. <laughs> Had two growth spurts. One, the first one only left me at like five four. The Damn. second one, the second one put me up to six feet. Yeah, I went to like I was like five nine, and then went up to what, six one or whatever I am now. But I was five nine in like middle school. Yeah, that's you were you were a legitimate a, a legitimate foot taller than me in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> so like. Damn. When did you start growing? Like during eighth grade. Okay. It was the same the same pair of pants that was baggy when I started eighth grade were like above the ankle. Wow. <laughs> waiting for a flood. Man. Wait, waiting for a new set of uh new school clothes money. Like True. that I I had what I had and we were gonna let it rock until the end of the year. So you're DJing at VBGBs. Okay, now we're back to this. <laughs> yes. yes. What are we doing? I don't know. Um no, DJing at VBGB, then uh What's the next step? Where else did I play? I played at Butter with Huff a couple times. I and I rocked Butter, butter by myself a few times. 
Me and Chouse did some nights together there. Butter was a fun room. Butter was a great room. That was a, a really, really fun club. It, it was. It was uh, It was kind of a sweet spot. I yeah. Think. Like, it was not too many people taking pictures on their phones. And it was just like, enough. It wasn't pre-smartphone, but it was like no one was uh, really we, doing it like they are today. Yeah, we weren't living on them. Yeah. We just had them. It was pre, was it pre-Instagram? Yes. It was very yes. close to it, yeah. It was It was right on the on cusp. The, well, Instagram cusp wasn't hit yet. Yeah. Yeah, people weren't living on their phones on the dance floor. So that was fun. That was a fun room. Yeah, playing spots like that, playing at Prohibition, doing, God, where else was I DJing out of that point? Re-raw a little bit. Just kind of all over the place. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And uh, you've been doing this uh, festival for the past couple of years. The, the, well, Moo, the Moo and Brew Fest? Yeah, Moo and Brew Fest. Tell us about Moo and Brew Fest. Moo and Brew Fest. Uh, my friend started pre-restaurant thing. There's a restaurant in Charlotte called Moo and Brew. A solid burger game if you ever end up in Charlotte. Absolutely. But they started a, a festival for craft beer and burgers in, God, what year was it? 2015, I think, was the first one. Man, really? Was yeah. that was that long ago? It was like smaller scale back then. Yeah, because um, when did it start out? Just like side parking lot, right? Just yeah, it was at the music factory still, but it was uh, it was definitely like a smaller scale thing. But it's always been focused on music. Always have previously like a lot of like kind of like '90s alt rock icons playing it. We've kind of transitioned more to like a country thing now, which is fine. Hmm. It's it's cool, I guess. But does that, does that change how you play? Uh not when, when really. Okay. I mean, I guess it should. I mean, I, but they're hiring you to play. I'm playing like throwback jams and like like what? Like your your princes and your Bowies and fun rock stuff, especially with the '90s rock when they were booking like Blues Traveler and okay and bands like that. I would touch on like '90s alt stuff. During uh-huh. those in-between band sets. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, it's a cool festival. Tons of great beer. Good burgers. It's gotten bigger and bigger every year. Um, we're in like the thousands of attendees type land now. Nice. Yeah. Love to see the growth. For sure. Speaking of Moon Brew, <clears throat> if you know me too, you know I'm very analytical about things, which makes me very clueless about Uh-oh. things. First time I heard Moo and Brew, I was like, Moo and Brew? Is that like milk and beer? <laughs> I mean, some beer has <coughs> milk in it. I know. Any, I'm sure they exist, and I wouldn't like them. In, any lacto <laughs> things? I don't They're know. not bad. I, it's personal preference. I'm trying to figure out when the first Moo and Brew was. I think it was 2015. That's awesome. So is there any music you want to talk about? How did you get in touch with Radical Groove? I DJed a bunch of stuff with Roche. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've known Roche for probably since I've lived in Charlotte, actually. that's good. Yeah, and when uh, when he was putting it together, he tapped me and was like, hey, do you want to get together on this? At first, I was a little apprehensive, and I didn't know if I wanted to be in, like, a collective kind of thing. But then he just started booking me, and I guess I just got absorbed into it. <laughs> I, knew I don't the... ever know if I actually said I wanted to do this. Was that <laughs> during the pandemic or would just 
slightly before. Oh, okay. I remember during the pandemic, you were playing a lot of 45s and doing some sets and things yeah. like that. Yeah, doing the, the Twitch thing. When Which was yeah. cool. When yeah. that was fun. So that's a great seg. So I'm actually bringing back the Twitch thing, but in a real setting. Where? So every first Friday at Salud Cerveceria in Noda. Okay. Hot and Fresh is back. What kind of music are you going to play? Funk, disco, soul. Be 45s? All 45s. Serato? Oh, really? Yeah. What day of the week again? It's a, the first Friday. First Friday. And what time are we running that party? Nine to midnight. Nine to midnight. Nice, yeah. nice. And are, are you going to be uh, live streaming this as well? Or I'm is thinking it... about it. Okay. Starting in September? Yeah, September. So the the first one was supposed to be this past Friday, but we did something different. <laughs> so yeah. uh, That's rad. We were going to do like a, a thing for the MLS team. Uh, but yeah, first Friday, September, hot and fresh. Back. I think I can be there. Yeah, come through, man. I've been keeping my Fridays open. So this is what I'm doing by myself. October, Ray from Hazy Sunday is playing it okay. on 45. So mm-hmm. if you want to dig out the uh, tiny records, don't shake your head. Uh-uh. I know you want to. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, <laughs> When I play vinyl now, when I play vinyl now, it's more like a Mr. Dibbs type thing. All right, dope. So you're booked in November. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Maybe for 45 minutes. <laughs> Hey, that's it's a it's a three hour party. You only have to do an hour and a half. Uh, Forty five minutes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, that's cool. Yeah. No, I, lo- I love that there's a space for for this to happen. So you know, yeah, shout, I'm shout out to Hot and Fresh coming through. Shout out to Hazy yeah. for having them still and be uh, an all vinyl party and Hazy I, Sundays. Yeah. Right. When, when when is Hazy Sundays? So it's the first and third. And then if there's a fifth Sunday, there's a, the fifth, a fifth, fifth as well. And it's at Petrus. It is at Petrus. It's a dope party. Will and Ray have party. done a great job with that thing. Mm-hmm. Had, a, had a all vinyl great party. time. Yeah, wow. made a really really uh, cool space for sure. I'm actually playing that Labor Day weekend too. Nice. Um, I don't know when this is going to get released, but today. Oh wow! Yeah. Quick turnaround. Yeah. Boom. Uh, yeah. So playing that. So that will be more of like uh, disco and house and maybe a little rare groove early. Yeah, I definitely lean more. I leaned more dance. I bought when uh, I was two hundred dollars worth of forty fives yesterday. Damn. So there you go. Like what? What was the hottest thing in there? You think? <sighs> Ooh. So there's a uh, there's this guy that makes these bridge boots. So they're uh, they're like classic funk and soul. 45s uh but flips of it and i got a, a rick james little house flip Ooh. huh yeah that's pretty cool i feel I like, like i feel I like, like, like it's it. gonna go off in my yeah. mind it's gonna go off but we'll see that's i think that's the best part about these parties and i, I you don't want to get away with whatever there yeah to be honest. it's it's great when you have somebody that's created an event where they curated their crowd to expect the DJ to curate the day. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, when you show up to somewhere with limited resources, like these are the songs that I have, I have these with me and this is it. It forces you to be creative with the people in front of you with what you have rather than just having, in my case, a hundred thousand songs, audio files somewhere on your computer to pick from. But I think it's so much cooler to be able to just craft 
the space in front of you with just what you brought. Mm. Yeah. It's it's it, I, I think it makes it a lot more special. Last time well, that I, makes sense. Last time I played Hazy, I had like a like a Soul Train line going to George Benson. Give me the night. Love it. In my my late set. Because it. it was dark at that point, and I was mm. like, "This will be fun," and uh, it actually worked no, really, a, really well. <laughs> well. That's a good point about <clears throat> DJs playing on vinyl and whatnot, and starting off that way, because you're limited with what you do. Limited it with vinyl, pretty much everything, right? <clears throat> yeah, and you do have to be more creative. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I'll say I'll, I'll say the same thing about um, DJing on flash drives too. Like it's not to the same degree because you can obviously fit a whole lot more music in a flash drive, but. There's no looking up something, downloading something on the fly. True. It's like you got what you got, and you got the people in front of you, and you just got to make it work. And, you know, I I enjoy that part of it. Like, I enjoy the work. I don't yeah, know how you sure. feel about it, but I, I it feels more special to me when I have a limited amount of music and I go out in front of people and I can make it happen than if I have my computer with me and... I've got everything at my disposal because you can just kind of be random as hell that way. Uh, you have to yeah. be a lot more deliberate. Yeah, for sure. I never I mean, thought of it that it's way. It's fun to like sit there and like dig through your collection and be like, what, what's going to work today? What am I going to do? And then, I mean, my 45 bag that I bring for that party is like, it only holds like a hundred records. So yeah. And that's not a lot of 45s. <clears throat> that's, I, I definitely know yeah, that I'm, I'm more creative on vinyl. I remember the, one of the last parties I did on vinyl, I don't remember what I did, but I flew through some records and I played. All I had was vinyl, like like I said. And a couple of club promoters and people were like that were like, why don't you DJ like that when you're DJing here for us on like a college night or something? I'm like, it's just different. Yeah. I didn't know how to describe it. But playing on vinyl, I don't know, it's completely different. And like you say, you have to be way more creative, I think it's in slow, my opinion. It slows me down, too. It speeds I, me up. I I DJ fast on Serato. Like I'm running through stuff on 45s or on any vinyl. You gotta kind of slow down a little bit. It's true. Yeah. You do. Like you're not gonna go like hook, hook versus hook. I mean, you could. I did on vinyl. You, you could, but I have a hundred records and I have to space that out over yeah. a two hour <laughs> period. So it be, it becomes, a funny story to that. That, yeah. that math is not working out. So yeah, I understand what you're saying. It becomes a lesson in, uh, it's a patience for, for lack thing. Of, yeah. It's yeah. a patience thing. It's let, we'll call it climax control. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's <laughs> just because we've, it. we've been without a double on time this entire time. Uh, so might as well throw one out see, there. When I played on vinyl it, before Serato, it was like, just go faster and faster. I sped my turntables up so more songs would meet. Like I went in there and changed the pitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that they'd play faster so songs would meet. And almost as soon as, I, plus I also came from B-Boy stuff. So as soon as I put the record down and I could cue it, it was pretty much, I already knew the pitch. Yeah. And it was coming in as soon as I could put it down. Um, which is a funny thing is like what you say, I only have a limited amount of songs. So I got to space them out. I went to Colorado one time. I took my record bag with me and I think, after 45 minutes, it was like, I don't know, maybe 100 records. After 45 minutes, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I didn't know what time it was. I just flew through these They're breaks. Like, Sir, you had a two-hour set, and you're yeah. like, oh, that like, sucks. All got, right, like, later. They're like, you got an hour and a half. 
And these are all like it's puffin like, records. Do you want me to do it again? I'll, just, <laughs> I'll do the same thing again. That's what I, I just flipped them over and played the. Because <laughs> I always played, I always played. No, I always played the B side, the inside track. But because breaks records back in the day, like I'm not talking B boy breaks, like I mean like Florida breaks. Oh yeah. There'd okay. be the 12 inch side, which would be really long, and essentially those songs would be the same at the end as they are at the at the beginning. Yeah. Which sucked. And then there'd be on the on the flip side, even in the house, there were two tracks, and I was always play the inside track. The shorter track, like I said, on the inside, and just fly through that record because it was shorter and better and faster. So I just flipped them over <laughs> and played sure. them again. But I never really thought about that either. That I guess you got to take more time in when you're playing vinyl. But yeah, no, there's always know. that internal clock in your head. Like, all right, is this one? Did I pick the version that's long enough? Like, I got to go back and look at the record because I'm back because uh, I'm in my crate. Yeah, it's like, am I going to run out of time? Are we going to have awkward never. silence? Do I have do to just that. talk to the people? Yeah. You shouldn't <laughs> like, do that because you're holding back when you do that. I mean, that's fair. You're holding back when you, you do that, and if you come to, and if you come to the end and you don't have any records left, you got to find a more creative way to do to keep going. True, and it'll make you better. Flip them. It'll make you better as a DJ Besides. in oh, your for mind. Sure. But I just, I just so don't do t- that. Like that internal clock in your head yeah. when the song is playing and you haven't picked your next song yet. Oh, I hate that. Oh, the, the, the I used panic to auto. Like you know, you know how your uh, the deck on the screen will flash when you got thirty seconds left. Yeah, like that starts to happen in your head when you start to when like oh the bridge came in oh God there's only one hook left, like you start kind of calculating how much time you have left. It's like, is this song already within the range? Like, how much do I have yeah. to mess with the pit? Like, oh. it's, does it have something I can just cut in? Yeah, like hard. Oh. Yeah, to make I, it work. I drop yeah. songs at that last second constantly. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, and there's skill in that too, right? You got to make it yeah. flow with just slamming stuff. <laughs> there's, there's an art to slamming records. Yeah. Oh yeah, I learned that. I learned slamming records on vinyl. I was on the edge of disaster when I DJed on vinyl. <laughs> And if I wasn't See, on the edge of disaster, this I was is why terrible. you're gonna play hot and fresh because I want to watch this happen live. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I gotta sit at home and practice. So by then we're gonna be streaming this, right? So <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. not not even streaming uh, the uh, the set, just just streaming his facial reaction <laughs> no. to his own set. Just the close cam of Forrest the yeah. whole time. Uh, the don't whole, do the whole that. Time. Do I make faces or something? Just the panic. Uh, dude, there's a <laughs> side story. This is what Yona wanted me to tell you guys or t- talk about. Uh uh-uh. uh is um I was at burial this past week. And I'm DJing and this girl comes up to me and she says, My friend wants you to play Bad Bunny. And I was just like oh, look to the side and I'm sitting there trying to cue up a song or whatever and I'm like, I'm not fucking playing Bad Bunny. It's not gonna happen. And she's like, he's over there. She's like pointing across the room. I'm just like not even looking up because I'm like, I don't care <laughs> where this guy is. It doesn't matter to me. She's like, you know him. I'm like sitting there thinking, nobody I know would want me to play Bad Bunny right now. <laughs> and I look up and there's Yoda standing there. I flip him <laughs> off. I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Tori's just up there hassling you? He was like, yeah. He was like, I wish I'd videotaped. He's not videotaped. I wish I'd got that on film or something, whatever, videoed that. Because your face was priceless or something. Yeah, that's a weird spot <laughs> to try to like hold off requests to. <laughs> Actually, it's not bad. People don't make requests there at all. Nice. I love that place. And I told her, I was like, if I play Bad Buddy right now, everybody will leave. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it's not true, but a lot of people will be like, what the hell? Yeah, I mean, time and place. Yeah. yeah. Time and place. It's not the place at all. Oh, man. 
But do the people ever try to make requests uh, when you're playing vinyl? Uh, I mean, I haven't really played other than Hazy, and no one's going to come, like, talk to you and, like, try to make a request at Hazy. You would just like laugh them off the stage at that point. Yeah, it's a great, it's a it's a great crowd they've curated. Yeah, for they yeah. they crush it. Like, so it's awesome, so proud, much it's, fun. It's the most fun party in the city for sure. I I saw the video of it this past week and I went, damn it. Yeah, Nat Nat crushed it. I was trying to come out and then yeah. the rain was happening and Sunday drinks happened before that, so it was. Yeah, they had some rain issues this week, evidently. I, I got there after it had happened, but I guess the breaker flipped and well, in the middle of Nat's first set, so. He only got like a partial one while they tried to figure out how to get power back. Oh man. Yeah, that's rough. I, I text I texted in the middle of the party. He's like, Hey, are you guys inside today? Because I saw the forecast like and you can I've played one of those feel inside. It and it's just like it's not the same. I could see that. Yeah. It that's one of those that needs to that's a party that needs to breathe. It needs to be outside. Like yeah. this the outside setting is part of the party for sure. Yeah, for sure. That back oh, yeah. patio is it's oh, like yeah. a little hidden gem in Plaza. Yeah. It's so, it, yeah. You walk down the alleyway. Sure. So much fun. Yeah. <laughs> and you go through a gate. Yeah, you go through like something. a little sketchy back door, yeah. down some stairs, and yeah. you just walk out into like an oasis. Yeah, the first time I saw you there, I went with a girl, and she was like, where the hell are you taking me? <laughs> uh, just come down this alleyway. It's cool. Don't worry. <laughs> You're fine. Everything will be all right. She was like super sketched out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so... I'm going to ask you a more serious question that you all have to think about probably. Oh, no. Do you have a method or a way? Do you, What way do you approach DJing when you go to a place? What way do I approach DJing when I go to a place? I mean, I guess you just, ideally you've been there before, right? So you have some sort of idea of what the crowd's going to be or like? Or it could be a place you've never been. That's hard. I mean, what, are you just going to walk in blind? Yeah. Walk in blind. I mean, I guess you would have some vague idea of what they were going to want, right? No. No. How, you can't do that, then. I'm just putting you in the <laughs> position to, what are you going to do when you walk in? I guess I'm going to walk in and drop a couple songs and see what happens, right? <laughs> I like, guess. throw throw out some some bait and see if anything bites. Yeah. That's, that's the way you got to work any crowd, right? It's like, you throw out a couple heaters and see what people move on. True. And true. then you kind of go down those those lanes. That's just reading the crowd like one on one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think when that's I, a tough. Qu- how are you going to be like? You have no background on this place. You I just, just did. show up because I just did. That's how <laughs> they called you five minutes before, and they're like, "We need a DJ. Get there." That's how it used to be. I, I'm going to be honest. I got that call quite a bit when I first moved here because people would cancel or like yeah. take something for. Take another gig instead. I mean, I've done some fill-ins See, like that, too. But I, you at least I had, like, vague knowledge of the room, right? I would, I, would get a, I would get, like, a two-sentence text message on what the night was going to be from the person that canceled the gig and went to something and else. And then it would be like, totally different when you got oh, there. Oh, nothing like what yeah. they said. Yeah. Nothing like they're what like, they said nah, at dude, all. dude, it's a cool room. You could play, like, whatever you want. You walk in, they're like, we need radio rap now. Okay, yeah, yeah. See, that's how, that's that's where you guys got it easy back when I DJed more often, especially on vinyl. People, we we need a DJ. Yeah. Can you DJ this event? You just showed up with what you had with like four crates, and yeah. you're like, "All well, right, I hope this works." No, it was more like six crates, yeah. <laughs> like '80s hip hop, 
True. Who knows what else? Who knows what else? Yeah, open format, yeah. all vinyl life. Yeah. Oof. That was that's the best. Uh, that's rough. Oh, it was great. I, 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 like I said, I love the work. I enjoy, like, putting my brain and my hands to work when I'm DJing. So I don't like using a bunch of short edits and stuff like that. But it's, it, it is a challenge to pack for a four-hour set. To pack for a four-hour set. Just to, like, know I might be using these or I might be using these. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? It was easier for me to pack for a vinyl set where I know I'm only going to be playing two one-hour sets. Oh, yeah, okay. Than playing a full four hours. Well, I mean, just because of the sheer numbers, how much music you have to bring, but also, like, what if I need to do a deep dive on this because this is really, really, really working? Mm. Did I bring enough of it? Or did I bring enough like it to keep this vibe going until yeah. I can go to something else that makes sense? Like, it was packing for those longer gigs that was a lot more challenging to me than, like, playing once I'm there. Because once I'm there, I know did, what I brought. Didn't you have all your stuff already packed, or is that just me? Um, I am a naturally disorganized person when it comes to my music. All right. I'm organized in a lot of other parts of my life, but my music is just kind of a big smattering of things, and I kind of know where it is in That's my good. head. It's not good. No, it's it's very hectic sometimes. you know where it is. <laughs> Like, I always kept, like, I said six crates. And most of those crates, I hate to say it, were kept in the trunk of my car the majority of the time. Hmm. And even people would be like, oh, but it gets hot in there. But if you pack them really tight. They're tight. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Hmm. But I always kept six crates in there. I never had Easily. to play open format stuff on vinyl. Like, the house parties, it was like, you're going to get mob deep and you're going to like it kind of deal. Yeah, but Love the it. thing is, like, there wasn't really open format when I was doing vinyl. I mean, there was, I mean, but there wasn't. You're just playing the hits, though, right? You're just playing, mm -hmm. like, your 80s, 90s bangers. And yeah. And then the, like, currents, yeah. whatever currents you had that were that you wouldn't vault that week, I mean, I the guess. most current things I had because of the places I play would be, like, Get Low. And, uh, yeah, Get Low. Just, just that lime Basically, green, yeah. that lime green sleeve. <laughs> yeah, just you the, know it, Get Just low. the banger. Yeah. All just the Little right. John lime green record sleeves. <laughs> yeah. The lime greens, the, uh, like... Bright, but somehow still dark blue slip and slide records. Yeah, I feel like open format's more popular now than it was twenty years ago. Or the because you couldn't print. do it. All over print slip and slide sleeve, the yellow one. Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. Yep. Quality. I was. I have a ton of the. the Clearly, Forrest was not playing Trick Daddy and Trina in his sets. Doesn't sound. If he like doesn't it. know those sleeves, <laughs> no. I had the lime green sleeves. Yeah. That's what oh, T TVT? What's that TVT? Yeah. TVT, yeah. Yeah, I have a bunch of those. If you go to my house, there's tons of lime green. <laughs> it's just like a chunk of lime green. It's, like <laughs> it's, all, it's all over the place. Song. It's all over the place. I still got records and boxes I'm putting on shelves. Um, it's like that break glass in case of emergency little section. Like, just grab something from yeah. there. It, it's um, a heater. Go. It'll, it'll work. Just once, throw it in there. <laughs> once I found Funky Mix, though, oof, it was on. I never touched any of those. Man, there's some good ones, especially the old ones with the sleeves that have like lines through them and shit. Like they got sardines, a 12 inch of sardines out there. It's hmm. like a 20 minute version. But it's Damn. Like, why do you need wow. something that just keeps repeating sardines over and over again? <laughs> Bathroom break sardines version? Oh, yeah. The drive like, the crowd out of the room version? Or the PM Dawn. <laughs> the PM Dawn that goes into the, the 80s track that it samples. Yeah. Shit was crazy. Spandau. 
No. Yes, Bandow Ballet. That's exactly yeah. who it was. Yeah. It was called uh, True. Yep. Yeah. But uh, the, the transition tracks before oh, digital yeah. transition yeah. tracks. Yeah. So we're going to do this thing now. Uh-oh. You ready for your this or that? Sure. This or that. Well, Jamie Overcash. Dogs or cats? Currently cats? Really? I mean, I have a cat, but I love dogs. Hmm. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Would you rather go to a hmm, sports event or a concert? That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be a tough one. Probably a concert. Would you go to? Concert. Why? There's less chance of me being angry at a concert <laughs> than there is at a sporting event. Yeah, that's another reason why I really don't care for sports. I They're can, so yeah. emotional. I yeah. could I could second that one. Also, I spend so much time at sports events already. Yeah. True. I, um, I do too, but not to get paid, unfortunately. <laughs> I know I just said that, like, that's why I don't like sports, because they're so emotional. But even, like, music is terribly emotional if you're really into them. Yeah, but, I mean, that's different, right? I mean, you're not going to get angry at a concert unless... I mean, unless it's Woodstock 99. Yeah, unless Limp Bizkit <laughs> tells you to break stuff. Have you guys <laughs> seen that documentary, Woodstock 99? That's great. Which one? The new... There's one I haven't, on Netflix I haven't right watched now. the new one. There's, yeah. there's one that existed uh, a couple years prior that mm. I saw. What's on Netflix? I'm not sure if it's the same one or a new one. I think it's a new one entirely. Oh, okay. What oh. happened to that? I don't even know what happened. I don't remember. I'm too old for that. Chaos. Remember. Just, really? Um, MTV-fueled chaos. Yeah. Uh, without really exaggerating too much, rape and pillage. Yeah. Pretty much happened. You just put it like I a, think I was going to go to that one. Was there one a, before that? I'm not... Uh, Sure, there was. I no, think, no, I think there Woodstock was. There was a. There was a was Woodstock. There was, there was like, an attempt. Yeah, there was okay. one in the early nineties as well. Okay, I got um, one for you. Uh-uh. Skating or snowboarding? Probably snowboarding. Mm. To be honest, I'm gonna get people are gonna get mad at me about that one. I doubt it, but which one would you choose? Uh, for me, skating. Me too. There's uh, something like zen-like about snowboarding, right? Yeah. Skating, I feel like I get more frustrated. And I'm not like a dude that just goes and like pushes around. Like I'm going to go like skate. I'm going to go like do tricks, I guess. Snowboarding, I just cruise around. Just vibe out. Okay. Nice. Blog house or indie, indie dance? <laughs> Are they not the same thing? Not in that too specific year era. Uh, <laughs> blog house, I guess. We're bangers only. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Need weird... <clears throat> Aggressive sense. <laughs> All right. The toilet paper question. Okay. Over or under? Over. Who did under? We're not going to say. Who does that? That's weird. I, I don't know. I, I still have to try it. I got to try the under thing sometimes. What are you going to try? If I go to your house and the toilet paper's under, I'm not eating the food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to assume you didn't wash your hands. See, this is why I'm, there. speaking of food, this is why I'm glad that Courtney and Red didn't come because it would just be like a cook conversation. Oh, no, like it still can be. We don't have much time. <laughs> yeah, we got time. Um, So, uh, you know who Thanos is? The Marvel like guy the Marvel? who snapped his fingers? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm here's not a, a big Marvel fan. Here's but a yeah. snap your fingers question. Okay. 
If you had to choose between 100 puppies dying... Oh, this question. ...or 100 uh, kittens dying, and you had to snap your fingers, random ones, which would you choose? <laughs> I, I guess maybe the kittens? I don't know. It's terrible. You would rather have kittens die than puppies? You're a terrible person. Thanks. I mean, is there a, is there <laughs> a, a good choice in no, that one? There's no fucking good choice. I don't know. Are these, are these puppies or kittens going to get adopted? No, they're just going to die. Feral cats are a terrible thing, right? They kill, Ooh. like, bird populations and stuff. So if that's the thing, I Good guess choice. then we're, like, we're helping the world out, right? 100 kittens. Yeah. Good choice. Feral dogs, I feel like, are not as a uh, common thing. Not in our part of the world. Nah. No. Maybe in India or someplace like that or Brazil Mexico. or something. <laughs> Mexico. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was in Tulum months ago with Nevi, and we were in a bar. And some dog just walks in off the street, and people just start playing with this random dog from off the street. That's so gross. It very much was. I did, I was not happy with uh, the situation we were in at that point in time. <laughs> but you know, it was it was also just kind of a weird vibe. It was like it was like the cheesy, well, not cheesy, but it was like the uh, attempt at the American nightclub experience mm. at a small bar. In Tulum, so it was like with stray dogs, with stray dogs, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, like I said, weird set of stuff going on all at one time. Yeah, but um, that's not where you got food poisoning, was it? Because that would explain. No, 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 oh, no. Okay, no. Right. I think I think I got got with a frozen drink on the beach because I think the ice. True. <laughs> It wasn't brought in. I think the ice was just made there, which means it was made of the water there. And I had a rough uh, second day in Mexico. So would you rather be misunderstood after death or forgotten after death? I guess misunderstood. That way people are still thinking about me, but just confused. All right. What would you choose? But confused how? Is it because I was a great artist and they're trying to interpret my work? Because that, that's not true right now at all. <laughs> they're like, he was an all right club DJ, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. You got to choose. I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna get forgotten, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> what would you choose? Uh, I mean, just keep the misunderstood going. Like, it's been going on for about 37 years at this yeah. point, so I might as well let it ride. Yeah. I was like, I'm already for, mis- for you, for sure, 100%. <laughs> I've already, I'm already misunderstood enough as it is. I think yeah, just I let, could be wrong. Just let that ride. Yeah. Would you rather work from the office or work from home? Work from home. Really? What would you choose over there? Well, I've not really had a job in my life that required an office. Damn. Yeah. That's cool. It is, but it's not, but it is. Um, I don't, so I don't know. Maybe I would want the, the, the office work environment experience just to have it. But then I might hate it and want to immediately not do it anymore and go back to working at home. So I'm in this weird flux right now where we are working at the office a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's but, right. Um, I thought so. I don't know. Like previously, if you're in like a creative situation, it's cool to be around people so you can like bounce ideas and like 
just have someone to kind of discuss things with. Yeah. But right now in this weird like flux where there's only occasionally people around, mm-hmm. it just feels kind of pointless. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could see that. So, I mean, I, I'm home currently for sure. Yeah, do, you so, feel, do you feel like you get more accomplished at home than in the office? Yeah. Hmm. Work-wise and just like life-wise. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Because, I mean, I can work, and then I can start prepping dinner, or I can mm-hmm. do the laundry, or wash dishes, or... Yeah. I'd rather work... I worked in offices. I'd rather work in an office. Yeah. Far more organized in an office, and more focused on things in an office, and getting the production done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm in, like, a creative space, right? So, like, I'm... Yeah, so, what is it that uh, you are, are gonna, doing are gonna, for Office Works? We're going to seg to a previous episode now. Uh, yeah, go ahead. So yeah, I, I do the same thing that Smitty did, right? So I work for what Muzak became, Mood Media, and I do song by song curation for brands. Nice. And then like off the shelf programs as well, in hmm. like a bunch of different genres. What's the hardest part about that? Licensing. Okay. To be honest, to get the song that you yeah, want. yeah, just what well, because everything needs to be cleared to play overhead right so it's got to be cleared with like all the pros so it that's the hardest part right just having content to use i'd mm. feel like personally the hardest part would be like am i choosing the right song for this particular company or not how do you get yeah. past that are you just that confident with what you yeah choose? i mean you you build relationships with these brands right so you talk to stakeholders on a ideally monthly basis and mm-hmm. kind of learn what they like and what's working and how the music should tie into their brand. I mean, if you got like a brand where music is like really key, like some of mine, um, it's easy to pick stuff, right? Cause you kind of know what their sound is cause yeah. they've built that through decades of existence. Right. Oh, okay. Versus like, I don't know, like a, like a smoothie place where you're like, okay, what, what is, what's a smoothie sound like? Yeah. What does a yeah. smoothie sound like? Oh, okay. So, and f- I don't know the level that I can discuss. No, 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 no. We're not going to. We're not, no, not, not going to go into like yeah. super specifics. Yeah. But on average, how often would you say that the brand reps that you're speaking to are actually in touch with what their sound should be? Because I feel like there might Uh-oh. be a disconnect. Yeah, there's a lot of disconnect. The problem is like it depends on who you work with at a brand, right? If you're working with somebody that's in marketing or like in a creative position they're probably going to be a little more in tune if you're working side by side with someone that's like a store ops person that's like that like gets the stores built out and all that stuff they're Mm -hmm. not really going to be that connected yeah but i mean i'd say 25 percent of the time people sort of know what they want and then the other rest of the time it's me trying to guide into like what i think it should be yeah so how often do you give somebody exactly what they want and they're like this isn't it (laughs) <laughs> not that often oh, that's, but nice. that's refreshing to hear yeah you definitely like i don't know sometimes you you uh you send some stuff and they're like this is too weird and you're like you use some of these songs in your commercials <laughs> so did you did you watch any of that <laughs> so that's always like uh, those are people that, that's like, human the nature. disconnect between like the creative side of a business versus like the guy that just like makes sure that there's TVs installed in the store, you know? 
Yeah. And that's, that's a, a, I think, a really cool intersection that has started. Well, not started. It's been happening for a long time, obviously. But the fact that creatives are being brought into uh, business spaces because they're realizing that the creative side matters, like, a ton. And, you know, for the longest time, it would get overlooked or pushed to the back or be an afterthought or, you know. Yeah, I'm super lucky right now that like most of the brands I work with on a daily basis are music is uh, it's not a background music in their store, right? It's like a forefront. It's important to who they are, right? Right, right. I do a lot of like I can I, I do like a lot of like footwear stuff. Like I do sneaker stores and brands and things like that where like the music is key either from like a performance side like an athlete driven thing or Mm -hmm. even like a fashion driven thing where they get like cool emerging artists right so that's that's one that's cool Mm -hmm. yeah one more one more for you okay english or math english why uh i don't know i hate math to okay. start with, uh, my mom was an English teacher. Oh, okay. We taught special ed for a long time. So, cool. you know, I've always been in into the language, I guess. Yeah. Large words, <coughs> vocabulary oh, okay. type things. Creation side or consumption side? Hmm. Creation? Oh, so you write some. Okay. That's another part of the job that you didn't, uh, my day job that you don't really think about it's like just having to write a ton of stuff like doing like brand decks for clients and stuff and having to like what's a brand deck like a thing you would present to a client to like explain oh. why you did something right? oh definitely english yeah like I can see that. like how how those songs that i picked out relate to what you're trying to portray as your business's persona that's right. interesting what's yeah. your answer to that english or math um math um i've been pretty good with i mean i've i I do pretty well with like photographic memory type of stuff so you know there's there's once you learn formulas they're formulas yeah and if you know what the values are representing you're going to get to the answer every single time yep i and that can cross over into english it can especially dealing with life it can if then then this but i always had issues with uh somebody telling me that my opinion on something that I read was incorrect. And I don't see how you, you can't be do that. It's like, if I defend That's my wrong. position, if I, if I de- defend my position with something that's, that makes sense, that something that's logical that goes with this, I don't understand how I'm wrong. We so, you know, Okay. You know, so I mean that's that's kind of where where I'm at with it. I, I I didn't like being told I was wrong for having a different opinions opinion are never wrong on like, something. Who, who says that? Uh I mean, I've I'm I've sorry, had people do it I've all had, the time. Oh yeah, I've yeah. had I've I've <clears> had English teachers that were great and English teachers that were just bullheaded and thought that their interpretation was the only one that you should be putting down on the paper. And those are the ones that gave me the issues. I liked math because there was never any argument. You either got the right answer or you didn't. That's fair. I'm, I've always been in like a creative space though. Like in college, I did graphic design. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not the guy that sits there and like wants to do formulas and stuff. I'm I like, like, I just want to make pretty things. I feel like the answer to everything is in math. I, that's fair, I guess. 
I mean, at the end of the day, when you think about it, like everything is at some point math. Like every decision you make is math. Poem, poems, rhyme scheme. Um, yep. Or oh, that's all just, structured. Yeah. Yeah, like any kind of like all of that is ends up being math. But I I feel like I waited a lot longer than I should have to get in the creative spaces in my life. Oh, yeah. But, you know. I feel like, like I said, every decision you make, every decision you make is based on math. Whether you go out that door and you make a left or a right turn is based on math. I don't know about all that. Why would you go out that door and go left? I don't know. I want to see what's over there. Okay, to see what's over there. Because your curiosity of what's over there is greater than you making a right to go to your car. I, I guess, yeah. Greater than. That's math. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Yeah. All right. Everything you do. <laughs> everything is a calculated decision. With everything you. is a calculated in, in life. Everything is no, a calculated nothing decision. Nothing is impulsive. No, there are things that are impulsive. But that doesn't mean the math wasn't involved in it. I'm trust me. I'm an impulsive person. <laughs> <laughs> and at that moment, I thought, or my body or my instinct was greater to do this one thing than the other thing. Okay. Sure. Yes. The more you think about it, the more you'll realize it. Maybe. <laughs> Everything is math. Okay. Even you walking is math. All right. So <coughs> uh, circle back to music. VBGB. All right. No. no. Yeah, yeah, VBGBs. Once again. Yeah, You're uh, VBGBs. Where are you now? Not, so what artists do you find yourself placing in rotation more often than others these days because I, I mean it, this can be a djing question or it can be like a playlisting question i think we all know the answer to this it's bad bunny yeah it's always bad bunny it's always <laughs> been bad bunny <laughs> it never will not be bad bunny uh I, it really depends like dj wise like I always kind of lean more toward like the funkier bouncier stuff right so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's, so what genre i guess would be the best question uh I, yeah, I guess it's kind of that like alt side of like hip hop and R and B, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like work placement stuff, um, oh, yeah, a lot of electronic stuff for those performance driven things. Mm. Yeah, oh, cool. but you try yeah. to like put cool, nuanced electronic stuff and not just like banger big room stuff because that doesn't make sense in a store anyway. Yeah, no that- one wants to walk into like one a.m. in a club when they're trying to buy like some Stan Smiths or something. It gets it gets weird some places. I yeah. When I when I'm walking into a store and it's just aggressive music being played, and it doesn't really matter the genre, but I mean, highly aggressive electronic music when you're trying to just like relax and look for something. It's weird, it's, right? It's real distracting. Like I'm not paying attention stuff. to the purchases. I'm paying attention. It's like why are we here right now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to think about like with the overhead stuff too, like anything that has like a weird sound in it, you gotta be kind of aware of. Right. Like if there's like a weird beeping in a song or like a buzz or even like a siren. Dude, whoever keeps deciding to put sirens in mainstream songs and they end up playing in the car while you're driving. They need to stop. I I immediately don't like you. (laughs) Yes. It's, it's, It's not fun anymore. Um, Does that happen very much? I think I've only noticed it once. 
I mean, it's obviously having enough. It yeah. does happen enough, I guess, right? And I'll be honest, a lot of mix show DJs used to like just hammer on it. Yes, oh, really? and it would drive me crazy because, of course, if I'm listening to it, I'm in the car, and so are most of the people that are listening to it. Now they're hearing cop sirens Funk in flex the mix. Bombs. I was like, wow. oh god, what is happening? I don't like the air horn. That was annoying. <laughs> Funk flex just makes your car blow up every like thirty seconds. Yeah. Play that. Uh, play. I get money for. 35 minutes straight. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? I don't know. What, what do you want to talk about? You're the what, guest. What do, yeah. What do we, uh, we not cover in my life? I don't know. Food. I don't feel we like didn't cover food. We kind of oh, went yeah, in a bunch a of circles. Guy. I'm not a really like a, I mean, I cook. I worked I, in restaurants for I've a really long time. I've seen the pictures time. of your food, and I'm like, that's amazing. Yeah. Favorite dish to prepare. <clears throat> Damn, that's tough. Just a good steak. I guess. Yeah. Just is that a, would that be a, your best meal? Do a good. Rev- God, I wish Derek was here. Just in so an air fryer, talk right? his air fryer thing right now. Uh, just a good reverse. For those that sear. don't know, our regular host uh, DJ Nice uh, likes to air fry his steaks. Yeah. I don't know if he likes to do it, but I think it's a convenient, it's convenient. thing for him. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But he owns an oven, and you could do such a better cook in an oven in the <laughs> same amount of time. Yes, you're not saving that much time no. on a steak. No, not at all. And you're just ruining it. <laughs> just reverse sear that thing. Throw have you it tried in the oven, it? Cook it off. Have I tried an air fried steak? Yes. I mean, I can throw a steak in a convection oven, but why the hell would I do that? So the answer is no, you haven't tried it. Why would I ruin something in a small convection oven when I have so just many other things? The question. No, I have not tried an air <laughs> fried right. steak. Maybe it's life changing. Maybe it's the most amazing way to prepare. I'm a sure steak. there's a person out there with an air fryer and a chef. They could put an air fried steak together and it would sound taste delicious to well, you. Well, an air fryer is just a small convection oven. So, I mean, I could. I'm put, still saying. I could put <laughs> my steak in my convection oven, I guess. Does it change what I said? The possibilities there, I just don't have much faith in but it. But the, the whole, <laughs> I the whole tried it. thing with how, what makes a steak good is like the Maillard reaction on the outside, right? So, like that hard sear. You're okay. not going to get right. that from. You're going to get some browning, but you're not going to get the same as if you like. You're right. That's throw correct. a steak in a cast iron with butter and some herbs. What yeah, I've right? seen some people do is they put it in the oven and they put it in the air fryer. And then now that you talk about that, I think what's the point of that? Why did well, you that's, do that? Well, that's that's weird. So I mean, I like to reverse sear steaks if we're going to do a steak. So you throw it in oven at like a low temp, like two twenty ish. Let it come up to like one twenty internal temp. Mm. You need a thermometer for this, right? Like a probe. And then you just hard sear the hell out of it in a cast iron with like whatever aromatics. And it's amazing. And it's perfect pretty much every time. So it's hard, it's hard to miss. So yeah. basically what you're talking like is like you're a pro at this and I'm talking to somebody who has I bought a MacBook I bought a MacBook Pro, so I think I'm a DJ now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sure. All right. There's yeah. there's I nothing mean, wrong. I just wish Derek was here so I could make fun of Air Force Stakes more. <laughs> I will try. I haven't tried it yet, but I, I'll, I might try it someday. I, it tastes good. It's food. On principle. See, that's the problem. There's no right or wrong then. Because I'm not going to put myself in a position where I make it. I'm not going to put a steak in the air fryer. Oh, so okay. I don't know when yeah. I would have it. Okay. I'm not going to buy a steak and put it in the air fryer. Here's where we come back to opinion. Is there a right and a wrong way to make a steak? Yes. Yeah. Damn. 100%. I feel like that's opinion. 
No. If he makes a steak and eats it and it tastes good to him, is he wrong? Yes. Is it edible? Is it going to kill him? <laughs> yes. Is it going to kill him? It's not going <laughs> to kill him. Is he going to get ringworm or something like that unless it's no. pork or something like no, that? No, I mean... And how is it wrong? Tell me how it's wrong. <laughs> because it, it just is. <laughs> Something. You have so many some things just so, so many more. This chances. person over here who doesn't some like it when people hard. tell him his opinion is wrong is telling me his opinion is that making a steak in an air fryer you're, is wrong. You're yeah. missing, you see the irony in this. Oh, 100 percent. Okay. I just cool. didn't like it when people did it to me. You're missing the But opposite. you don't mind doing it to somebody <laughs> oh, God, else. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hate. Yeah. This is this is my life. Is seeing the ridiculousness and the irony in everything around me. Especially what you just did. I'm yeah, not giving a shit. It's just that's I see it. That's it, why I flew my hands up in the air. <laughs> it's wrong because you're missing the opportunity to uh, enhance the flavor at different steps. It's a one-trick pony. Well, how about it's less right? It's not wrong. Sure, it's, it's just fine. It's technically cooked, right. I guess. Yeah, good for <laughs> it. But you wasted your money. It's less creative. And that's got to count for something. I would say that thousands of years of making a steak the normal way, the way, the way you normally do, and then getting this new object and trying it another way would be more creative. But if all you do is put it in there and then just take it out. Yeah, that's not really creative. Is there, is there a depth to creativity? Um, I've seen white paint on canvas. Is that creative? It depends on its presentation. Boom. Okay, so it was cooked a certain way, and he put it on the table on the plate, and he made it beautiful. Then is it less creative, or just as creative as the other ways? Well, the flavor is not going to be as good. All right, fine, whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll agree that you're there, correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right, air fryer steak for forever now. Uh, all right, you got anything else? Where where can we find you? We're uh, at J Overcash on. The the gram, J underscore Overcash on Twitter because for some reason I didn't register that name. Uh, hmm. Twitch DJ J Overcash. If I yeah. decide to stream again, anytime you should definitely soon. stream again. I think you should too. You can, especially when uh, should I do hot and fresh on the internet? Yeah, Bring especially when uh, Forrest does the guest set. Yeah, that's gonna. And be we're just gonna do. Sure. We're only gonna do the. Uh, the, the, the face view. Yeah. Just a close-up. Well, somebody has to follow him around with just a camera. Just a single so shot. That's going to be even weirder. <laughs> Dude. Oh, not follow him around. Uh, just like set it up right over the DJ booth. Like it's kind of turn pointed at the turntables, uh, but it's just going to be. Uh, okay. Yeah, I got it. Of his face. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, hot and fresh starting first Fridays at Salute, all 45s. Uh, you can find me DJing a lot of other spots around town, all the breweries, all the the cool places, I guess. Brewery Radical vibes. Grove on Instagram as well. Yes, you can find pictures of me there. <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm. I've All got right. a beard. It's nice. Thank you, A minor, and thank you, Overcast, for being here. Of course, of course. Yeah, man. Have a good day. Evening.